I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Welcome back, everybody. We got another exciting episode of Pocket Presence, but this one's special. We got another guest, our first ever official guest that's not Tyler, Brandon Ross, a college scout with the Green Bay Packers, former NFL player, has done a lot in the league, is now on the other side, which I think that side seems to be more fun anyways. You'll have to tell us a little bit about it, but welcome welcome to the show, dude. We're glad to have you here. Hey, fellas. I really love, really love the show. Appreciate y'all having me on. I do. Sweet. We're glad to have you here, man. Tyler, we all come from, I would say, the Packers lens of watching this weekend, man, and we haven't had a chance to really talk. How are you no, feeling, we, Tyler? I, I mean, dejected disappointed yeah. a bunch of words i saw a bunch of content going around where it was like you got the sense and we talked about it kurt that the packers were playing with house money going into this i think a lot of people yeah. curious to get your thoughts brandon didn't expect us to even be make it this far and so leading into the game as a fan you're like you know what whatever the outcome i'm going to be happy i'm just glad we made it this far and then the second kickoff happened you're like no i want to win this game so badly and then you feel all those horrible feelings that seem to come when we play the 49ers in the playoffs. And so it's hard to shake, even though I tried to tell myself beforehand, just have fun. You're playing with house money. It just doesn't feel like that when you when you lose in that fashion, especially to the 49ers. That's tough. I mean, so being with the team all year, um, I knew we would make the playoffs. I didn't know how. I knew we would. Like, I've seen these guys grow from rookie minicamp through training camp. So I saw the potential week after week, I'm sitting there like, we just have to find our rhythm, find our rhythm. And and like uh, Brian, the GM, he told us, he said, the first thing he told us in training camp, we sat down in the draft room, he said, patience, 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 patience. Like, let's be patient. Because as scouts, we have the tendency to over overreact to everything. We do, because we're not in the building every day. So, I'm at a school and I see that we, you know, cut this guy and then this happens. So, but he just preached patience and, um, you know, we were at two and five and we're sitting there like, we're like this close and you can feel it. And then we went on a run and you saw the offense start clicking, defense playing better, creating more turnovers and sacks. So like getting to the playoffs, that wasn't the issue. And then once we got in, we're always expecting to win and like, I, I just thought we were playing with such confidence and we were playing very just sound and disciplined and efficient. Like if you look at the second half of the season, our penalties dropped way down. Yeah. Penalty looked I mean, like a veteran team yeah. across the board. Like it, it was, you would not think it was a young team. No. And, and to me, that was why going into the Dallas game, I knew we would win that game. Like I, I didn't care what anyone told me, like watching film on Dallas and watching us, I knew, Jordan will have a big day. And I knew Aaron Jones, every time he plays them since 2017, <laughs> since my first year there, his rookie year, he's always balled against them. And then on defense, I'm like, I mean, we play really good versus good teams, if that makes yep. sense. Like, as a as a defense, like, you know, San Fran is very good, very efficient on offense. They score 24 points. Like, yep. you know what I mean? It was a defense played really well this past week. Yeah. I mean, and, that's the, man, it, that's the tough part of the game. Like the NFL is so hard to win and the average point differential is what three to four points, one score games essentially. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like we were playing with house money. I knew if we could get past them, 
we could get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That was I, I mean, I think that's what everybody sees, right? It's it's not about the – I think everybody thought it was house money. From the inside, you guys definitely felt different, which oh, yeah. is awesome to hear. <laughs> I think, like, everyone knows that if, if the Packers beat the 49ers this past week, I mean – one game away, but really you're, you're a better team. The Packers were playing better football and are a better team at this point in the year than the Lions were. So you felt like you just had to show up and do your job next week. And the youngest team in the NFL would be in the Super Bowl. And I think that's the tough thing to swallow right now. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. We're not overlooking, you know, Detroit by any means, because they're a well-coached tough nosed football team, but we have confidence after Thanksgiving that we've been in their house and beat up on them. So, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the, like the mindset is more of like, Hey fellas, like we can do this. It's, it's just way more upbeat and positive how it was after we started, you know, putting wins together. But you know, that one hurts, man. Like, yeah, as good as San Fran is, we outplayed them for 58 minutes. It's true. I also feel like there's a silver lining this year that hasn't existed in the past where I'd be curious, Brandon, what the feeling inside the house is. But whereas before it was like, we got to string one more year together with Rogers. We knew we were on the back nine of his career. And so we just had to keep trying to get pieces together to go one last run. Kurt, you mentioned it. The Packers are the youngest team in the NFL. So while this loss still hurts, you know, you still expect to win these games. You also have a window that just opened up in front of you rather than feeling like, oh man, was that the last opportunity that we had to make a run. True. Um, yeah, I mean, we know we're talented, and, and this is when our job really kicks in now um, to where we're looking at more talent, more youth. Um, you know, it's, it's – so with the window being so open, now it's, all right, let's repeat these last two drafts. Let's, let's keep getting yeah. better and just keep bringing in talent because – when you look at our receiver room, for instance, like yeah. we're really good at receiver. <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean. Like it's like it's it's kind of impressive where we go on on a three month streak and we have a different guy lead the team in receiving yards each month. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's you know windows open, but we're not as this sounds crazy, but we're not as close as we think. So this is our chance to get better. Um, yeah, because like the goal is championships 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 that's always been the goal no matter who's that quarterback no matter who's in the building calling the shots the goal has always been championships and like you know it's 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 good for everyone on the outside oh you know we made it we expected to win a championship this year with the with the youngest team in nfl so that's so now it's just a matter of adding more youth more talent and the fact that these guys are first second year players is scary yeah, Whoa. it's it's insane to see their growth too. Like, I mean, you look at like I was watching all the offensive film from earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and you could just tell. Like in my opinion, Jordan didn't play that much different early versus late. He played pretty similar. He did get better at the end of the year, but the the guys around him did not play as well in the first six to eight weeks. And I was trying to like bang on the drum, like, dude, look, he's putting the ball where it needs to be. He's in rhythm. He's making plays off schedule. Jordan's doing everything you want him to do early in the year, but the guys weren't ready for that. They weren't like it looked like there was a bunch of young guys that had known how training camp looks, how the plays are drawn on the play sheet. Like they were playing very methodical where last half of the year, these dudes started just balling off script. Their angles of their routes were changing. Like it was changing versus different coverages. And you really got to see like, Oh, they have reps in real reps and they're not just practice players. And that was the difference from my point of view. That is a very true statement. I mean, 
Kurt, you know, like it's it is hard to duplicate a game in practice. Yeah. It's so hard. So as they got more and more reps and and like as crazy as this sounds like guys getting hurt was really good for us. You know, yeah. Christian missed the first four or five weeks of the season. So other guys had to get a lot Wait, of reps yeah. and, and like grow quickly. And to Jordan's credit, he was he was very just here, steady yeah. Eddie, and you know, and he kept feeding guys the ball. Like I love the fact that a guy would drop a pass, Jordan come right back to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like to me that was like that was when you start seeing, okay, like guys kinda play to his level. Because to your point, he wasn't doing anything like different. Like it's a couple turnovers he had early where he forced some balls, but it was nothing where you're like, eh, like like that was just a bad play. Yeah. So, um, but as the season went on, yeah, man, those receivers, the tight ends, like Tucker Kraft Dude, took off. Kraft. That was awesome. Kraft took off when Luke got hurt. Um and you know, AJ was banged up most of the year for the back half of the stretch. Aaron was on the front end, so we're just rolling through backs trying to find some sort of run yeah. game. We get creative with Jaden. You know what I mean? Like it it just like injuries helped us as much as they hurt us this year. But to me they yeah. just you know, it just that experience, like you can't duplicate in practice. It's so hard to duplicate no. full speed reps in practice. And when those guys got six, seven games under their belt and we're sitting there at two and five and they were just like, all right, I think we kind of know how to play this game at this yep. level. And then they took off. Yeah. yeah. That's, Kurt that's exciting were... to see. Like, yeah, I was just, it's so exciting that like, <clears throat> and I even, I thought like, and again, I'm not in the room. So like, it's just a guess, but like how LaFleur called plays realizing that he had to like go off script a little bit. I feel like, I feel like he got as got better as a play caller, not having the guy to rely on. Like, obviously he didn't have like a Devonte Adams, right? Yeah. He had to change how the offense was ran. And each week he had to change it because some guys were up, some guys were down. And I felt like early in the year, I was very critical of him. And as the year went on, I'm like, dude, I have nothing to say, but like he's putting his guys in positions to make plays and he's not just feeding one guy. So it's the, it was probably the least unpredictable offense in the last eight weeks of the season out of any team in the league, at least from what I could tell. I could see that. I mean, I'm not in those meetings, but like, yeah. to your point, it's it, it's hard to prepare as a defense when when you say, uh, who do we kind of put the focus on? Who's getting the ball, do yeah. We, do we play too deep because Watson and Reed are out there and we now we're in a light box and – Aaron Jones is back. And to me, the best part of Matt's play calling was probably in the run game. He got creative. He like he yeah. was running plays off. He was running plays, uh, he's running counter plays from plays way back in weeks one through six yeah. to where I'm sitting there like, oh my God, this is and like because yeah. we were moving people laterally, vertically, yep. scenes were opening up. Um, but yeah, to your point, once once guys kind of went down, he just started, all right. Just started. I mean, he was called getting the stuff. bag. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I love that. Is is there a type of guy? I think the conversation in the offseason now, if I had to guess, is going to be about who the number one receiver in that young receiving room is, nope. and if there needs to be one. I mean, Kurt and I have literally had a discussion of like maybe it's okay that any given week there a guy can be a number one receiver, and there isn't a true number one as we've understood it in the years past. I mean, it's nice to have those guys, but at times. To Kurt's point, 
I think it kind of limits you because you kind of become predictable. Yeah. That's what happened with Dallas to me. Like yes. they started trying to feed CD the ball in his spots. And then we get the pick six. He's getting frustrated because he, because he can't get the ball. Whereas yep. when you have a young, unselfish group, like those guys are tight, man. Like they're tight. They compete. Like you can't tell anyone in that room they're not number one. I, I don't love care who that, it is. dude. You cannot tell them they're not the number one guy. And to me, that's more that's more valuable than than having the so called number one receiver. Um, and then like you know what I mean. So like it to me as a defender, it I'd rather go against just a guy, knowing that all right, we put two on him, we play multiple coverages, we put hands on him. We no matter where he is on the field, opposed to saying, well, they got like four or five dudes in rotation who are all pretty good, who can multiply. Got to cover the whole field. Yeah, and you know what I mean. It it just stresses the defense way more to me than having just a guy where you can essentially take him out if you so choose. But um, I love that. I don't. How, how, How do you go ahead? I was just gonna ask you how you find guys like that because you you talk about each guy in the room thinks they could be the number one guy. Like there's some amount of ego you have to have to believe in yourself, some confidence you have to have to believe in yourself. But then you mentioned the unselfishness. So when you're, you know, maybe it's scouting a college guy or like, I think of Bo Melton who, you know, comes off the Seahawks practice squad. Like how do you identify that guys will have that unselfish trait? Because we hear a lot about selfish receivers in the NFL, but I don't think the unselfish aspects of guys in green Bay, for instance, get talked about enough. That's part of the job as a scout. Um, Right. So I go into school in August, September, October, November, you know, I go all fall and I'm talking to as many people as possible, coaches, trainers, equipment staff, whoever. And I'm just trying to learn about the guy through someone else's lens. And then during this time of the year, when these guys show up for all-star games or now that I can pick up the phone, call them, I can FaceTime them, just talk to them, try and get a feel for them. And like, for like example, Bo, Bo wasn't in my area. Um, he was in the Northeast with Mike Owen and and Mike is a big personality. Everyone likes Mike. Love Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Love Mike. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Scouted Kurt. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but Mike's like guy. really cool guy. So we were at the, I want to say the Hula Bowl maybe a couple of years ago. And we, and we have to interview Bo and like, when we do interviews, we're very personable because I really want to know these guys. And like, as a, as a former player, I try to give them as much tidbits and tips as possible in terms of making a team, staying in the NFL. And I just remember Bo, like his, like his energy was really good. You can like, he was there, like I'm the best receiver here. I don't care who's here. And it was some big name guys there who went higher than him. He didn't care. Um, But like finding those guys, finding those traits is just, that's just time on task in terms from January yeah. through April when we're at the pro days, we're at the combine. Like we, I just talked to him, try to get a feel for him. So then when, when uh Brian comes, you know, in the draft room or in an email text, whatever, like, what do you think of this guy? We talked to him and, or, you know, did you like him? How's his personality? Is he going to fit in our room and our building? And it's like, and like the term gets thrown around a lot. It's like dog. He's a dog. Where like our thing is, as scouts, is like, how is he here? Like, is he a dog mentally? Can he learn the playbook? Can he handle success? Can he handle failure? You know what I mean? Like those things. Like the players, 
we can see the players. It's 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 the mindset that we try to dive into during these the next four months before we bring them to our building. So the fact Dude, that I could listen to you talk about this all day. I'm I'm like probably gonna <laughs> speak for everyone that's gonna listen to this episode, but I'm like, I just love the you know, the biggest theme I think with you guys is you have probably very little immediate gratification in your job. Your job oh, yeah. is the long game. Oh yeah. And like you scouted Bo in twenty what like how many years ago? That was he came out once in nineteen. So like nineteen. That was that was one yeah. year after I came out. Yeah. And you guys just got him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like and so same thing from hearing you tell stories about me, like I was with the Falcons for three years. Yeah. And then but like I'd always kind of been like on your radar or whatever. All like, the time. And then you know what I mean? So it's just like it's cool to hear that you peg a guy as whatever you think he's gonna be see how his career goes a little bit. And then when it's time, it's time. Some guys you might love and you just never get the chance to get them on your team. Absolutely. That's like obviously yeah. part of it. Yep. But the patience to like, oh, we got a guy, we got the guy we wanted four years ago in our building now. And he's now being a contributor to the team. I was right. And I was patient. Like that's so cool for you guys. Yeah. It's a, it's a very slow gratification process, but to that point, it's like, once you kind of see, once you see the player, like okay, I like the player. Now it's now it's the person in the locker room. Yep. Like that stuff matters so much yep. in the NFL. So, you know, Bo was just like, I just love Bo. He was super competitive, and like I tell every receiver, all of them, I go in meetings, I sit down, Vrabel will he have a slight intro for me. He ask me a question, he say Vrabel. I like everyone in here though. No, probably can't, but that's what I tell him. You know, yeah. and it's, you know, and those guys always remember that. Heck, uh, when I saw Pacheco, when I went to the Chiefs game, again, me and Mike Owen, we're at the Hula Bowl. I had to interview uh, running backs. I'm sitting there talking to him. Mike comes over. We talk for like an hour and a half, which is extremely yeah. long for an interview. Usually the 15, no 20 minutes. We talked for so long and we didn't get him. He goes to Kansas City, having a great career so far. But I see him on the uh, field, and he remembers us. Yeah, I'm like, okay. that's so cool. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 that kind of that's the other side of the gratification of of just knowing that, like, you know, yeah. guy you like, he's made it, he's he's successful, he's wired the right way. And then I talked to guys in Kansas City; they love him, they love the worker. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like a, you won, you won that prediction or whatever it yeah, was for who a, you thought he was going to be, even though he didn't end yeah. up as a Packer. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a little small gratification to be like, I was yeah, right. I was right. Like, yeah, that guy would have been great in our building. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a it is a long process though because sometimes you want a guy now, like he can help us right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nah, have yeah. to wait. Yeah. So yeah, That's so I cool. think you're gonna get you're gonna get Packer fans all riled up thinking that there could be an Isaiah Pacheco on the team. Is, is there a guy like in your time scouting that? And this is just purely for engagement online that like you were standing on the table for maybe a, a late round guy that wasn't super hype coming out of college. And, and you were like, oh, the Packers should draft him. Didn't end up happening, but now has a ton of success in the league. Ooh, a late round guy. Um, yeah, just, I, you know, Pacheco's a great example, obviously. Someone that wasn't highly touted coming into the draft. That wasn't my guy. I just I just met. I, I remember <laughs> sure. meeting him and was like, oh, I love yeah. this dude. Yeah. So he maybe a guy like serious. that. Yeah. He was so serious and just like blinders on, even at the combine. Yeah. He I'm runs gonna, like he's got blinders on, man. man. Just a horse, workhorse. <laughs> he was at the combine. Me and Mike are standing 
at the end of the running back drills and they throw like uh they throw like wheel routes and he's running and he runs past us. I'm the best one here. I'm like, oh okay. I love that, dude. <laughs> I love that. Like, <laughs> Let's go. Like, all right. And like, you know, I had no reason not to believe him. I've yeah. seen all this hate. I'm like, he's pretty good. You know what I mean? But yeah. um any late round guy, I'm heck. I never put you on the spot with that one. It's it's, it's just so like it's so many guys. This I'm going on year eight, I think. So that's so cool. I'm like, I got like thousands of guys in my head who I'm thinking of, but literally, I just, I just can't remember honestly. It's no good. We can get back to it if it, yeah. if it pops up later in the show. Perfect. Um, I know we've we've been peppering you with questions, but I just think like this side of the game for me has always been super fascinating because on on the coaching side, right? Like most most players when they're done playing, if they don't go off and do their own thing, they get into coaching. I would yep. say most of them. And I just think the process of being a coach is very rinse repeat. And like, there's, it's more the same than it's not injuries happen. You got to adjust for that. But like the game changes kind of slowly where I feel like, I feel like you guys are probably a little bit more ahead of the curve because you're seeing the players that have to come in and have to be ready. Like you're seeing their skill sets change. And like, even just thinking about quarterbacks, when I was being recruited out of high school, I was not 6'4", 225 in like right. a house, right? right? Like my style of quarterback play was not it yet. And I'm a scrambler, like that's that was kind of my deal. So like I was, if I had been being recruited out of high school now, I would have been more valued than I was when I was a player. Right. Because it was, you know, you know my play style. So like it just yep. wasn't really a thing yet. Um, I was trying to be like a white Mike Vic that really couldn't run but could throw. <laughs> and so it was just – it's I think you guys are seeing the game change probably prior than like before what the coaches are because you're watching so much college. And it's just for me, I don't know. I I find that side really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we see so much just football in general from I mean, you gotta think. We if a guy's on our list in terms of like who we go see, I'm watching division three, two, whatever. Yep. So I'm watching just a ton of football and like I can tell just by the things in college being done, like, oh, we'll see that in three or four years. Like, prime example was RPO. Yeah. And, like, yep. early – in, like, 2018, 2019 was my – well, 2018 was my first year as a college scout. And I'm, I'm rolling through, like, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State. And then I go up to North Dakota State. You know, they're a powerhouse. But, like, they're running, like – like, their quarterback run game was – I'm like, that's – and then I saw a couple other teams do it. I'm like – We'll see that soon. Yeah. You know, we'll see these sort of like like the same things, but the but it but it has to be different because of the rules, right? Yeah. Um so but sure enough, in like 2021, 22, I see the Ravens start doing more kind of like the stuff they're doing now since Monkins uh there yeah. with the quarterback run game and the play action off the quarterback run game. Like I've been seeing that since eighteen nineteen. Yeah. So it was a matter of time. So yeah, like we get the beat on uh, who or like what's the next fad. Like, yeah, the- I think it's cool because you have to think about like which teams have had the most like sustained success, in my opinion, are the ones that are willing to change and willing to grow and the ones that are able to integrate with young players early. Yep. And most coaches that are super, super old school have a hard time like changing their offense slightly to help their younger players a lot of them and i think you get stuck in this when you have a really like an older quarterback that's been there a long time like when i was with the falcons we all had to play catch up with matt ryan right and 
it was not going to be simplified for young guys to play. So it was really hard for young guys to go in and integrate into that offense in a, in a real, in a real role. Like my rookie year was Calvin Ridley's rookie year. And it took him to like, I believe week six or eight, I believe that was around the time span for him to actually become a part of the offense where he was featured, where he had the talent from the day he walked in the door, but because there weren't the college schemes integrated and there was so much terminology that cost us kind of like six weeks of like, yo, he could have really helped us in those close games where he just wasn't ready. And most guys aren't, but when you have a young quarterback or a quarterback like Jordan, and you know that the rest of the team is younger, yeah, I feel like you, you have no choice but to not put too much on their plate because you need those guys to play well. And playing well is more important than just knowing everything. And then there's a time and place where it catches up. But um, I think it's really interesting of how some teams can integrate young players and some teams can't. I think a lot of it comes back to what our coach is willing to do. Uh, it's It's – Two sided, you know, because part of that is uh, he has to know what he has to do, right? But yep. as a quarterback, you know, you have to know what the quarterback is kind of seeing and thinking. And if yep. guys don't get that aspect, because like some guys get that first, and yeah. then the quarterback is more like, okay, you trust them. Third down, and you're, you don't have to run it how it's drawn in the paper. But, but I know he knows what I like, like he might not do what the paper say, but he does what yep. I say. All right, cool. You know what I mean? So give me a, that guy yeah, every time. It, right. So it's a give take with that. Just in terms of like offense is hard. First, I'll just put that out. There. <laughs> like <laughs> it is. I sat in meetings. I sit in there from when the players come up in OTAs till when I leave through rookie minicamp. And I like going to the offensive meeting because I play defense. So I sit there and yeah. learn what they're looking at how to identify, you know, protections and coverages, all that stuff. I'm sitting there and like they were going over play calls. I'm sitting there like, bro, what? What are we what are we doing here? Play call yeah. on defense, over three. Line up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I might have it's so true. I might have four checks or adjustments based on formations or motions, but that's easy compared to learning this terminology, learning the formation, the motion, the shift. Uh, learning the can after that and why we're doing yeah. it, okay? And then have to, and then I was in a receiver meeting and I almost walked out because they were just going over blocking one day and I'm sitting there like, bro, yeah, this makes like it makes sense, but I'm like, nah, this is like you have to hear it so many times if it's new to you oh for it to God. just sink in. Yeah, I have like I no lie, I have like 20 pages of notes from the O line, running back, and receiver room. I didn't go to the quarterback room. I'm 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 not gonna embarrass myself <laughs> like that. But yeah. it's 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 so much to pick up and learn in like a short span. And you gotta think like these guys have less and less time in the building now because of CPA. Yes. So it's a matter of like so if, if coaches don't adjust, then those guys tend to get labeled as oh he's he's a bust or whatever the case may be, whereas like nah, he's like he's not struggling to learn it. They don't trust him yet. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a process of things, but Man, it is hard learning offense, bro. It, it is. It, I mean, defense has its has its complications because a lot of coordinators try to get guys to learn multiple spots, but offense is like, yeah, whew. yeah. I the receivers this year, like, I would say just from a a nuance of being a rookie, so. You know how it is. When you're a rookie, you typically stick with other rookies and you're going to lean on vets in the meeting room. But as soon as you're out of the meeting room, you're not just going to like drill vets with questions. Like that's, it's, right. it's kind of like, 
Right. When they're in the room, they're available. But when they're out, when like, out you're not going to be asking them out. at lunch. Hundred percent. And I want to. I want to say like it's got to have helped the Packers receiving room this year that most of them were young. I think all of them were young yeah. to where all the, all the time they're able to be learning from each other outside of the building because it looked like that group came up together. And I guarantee you that the extra time that they were spending outside of the building to learn to grow whatever, a lot of that as a rookie is done as a group. And I remember my rookie year like. I spent so much extra time with the receivers. Then by the time year two came around, I didn't spend the same amount of time with the rookie receiver because they had to do all the stuff, the nuanced stuff, and le- like right. learning the shift spots, the motion spots, right. like the stuff that became second nature is not worth anyone's time unless you're a rookie. And so it's, I don't know, man. It just, I, I hope that that group stays together for a while because it's a, it's a special, it's like a unique little case study almost of yeah. how did this group come up together at the same time, all of them with different skill sets, but they do have some similarities. Like they make contested catches. They block well in the run game. Like they give it everything they have. Like yeah. I'd imagine there's a, there's a certain like bucket of criteria that you guys look for in a Packers receiver or in a Packers, whatever. That's like, if they don't have this, they're probably not going to fit in the room no matter how talented they are. Yes and no. I mean, a lot of credit, like a, a ton of credit goes to Jason Vrabel. Like, yeah, he does a good job with those guys. And I, Receivers coach for everyone that doesn't know. Yep. Um, I love his meetings because he's very detailed. He's very uh, just like, I mean, everything matters from the split, which split is up. And like, I remember being in there on a couple different occasions, like the one when they were going over the run game and they were just like, he was saying like, like they spent like 10 minutes on footwork, just the feet, yeah. like how if your outside foot's up, you can take less steps to get to this down safety and then at that point, it's just a matter of, do you want to do it? You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and like, and like he harks on like blocking for our backs and like he stresses it. And like those guys take coaching well. And and that's, that's awesome. That's a big part of the criteria. Like, are they coachable? Cause if they're coachable, we can get the most out of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, I saw, I mean, I'm not going to name the guy, super talented receiver across the country. Ball was down in the red zone and he, made a statement about not wanting to get hurt blocking. And I just, I'd, I'd imagine that you'd never hear that out of any of the guys in that room with the Packers. Dontavian Wicks was blocking Nick Bosa on, on, yep. on a crack toss. Yep. Christian Watson was on Chase, Chase uh, yep. Young. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a matter of do you want to do it or not? Plain and simple. It's not a, like, they could have gotten hurt. Yep. I think it didn't matter. They needed the game. They wanted the game. Them dudes are selfless. And they, and like, to me, like it's the urgency in which they do things with like the same urgency. They run to get open. They block the same way. That's why our our run game got better and better as we got healthier. You know what I mean? Like, but no, those dudes are like, they're, they're very coachable and Ray does a really good job of like honing in on the, on the details of, of their craft and they take heed to it and they all want to be good. So that's, you know, that's, that's part of it. Like people say it, but like those guys work at it. Like they're always together. They're always learning from each other. Um, You know, like it's a really good group. I'm really excited for them. That's awesome. Um, I know we have like different talking points and things we want to get into, but I think the way the conversation is going right now, we just got to get into like the Packers team and, the season's over. We're, it's over earlier than we all wanted it to be. And it's, it's hard to not just, all right, got to flip the page. What's next, right? Like the draft, the combine, all that stuff's coming up. Um, I believe there's some like senior bowls and all that stuff yeah. coming up too, right? Yeah. So 
like you look at the team top to bottom and just from the outside looking in, I haven't done as much, I would say, research or into each position in contracts, but offense is really young. O-line is stout. Like for how young they are, they're playing really well. Um, you have some vets. You have Elgie. You have Runyon, who's a vet now. Like some of those guys that were young when I was there, they're getting older. Um, but you have guys like Tom. You have guys like Sheed that have stepped up. Yeah. The receivers, you're like, okay, that box is checked. Running back, Aaron Jones, checked. Maybe look for another guy behind him that is like a Pacheco, a young guy that can quickly learn, has a high ceiling, right? Like I'd imagine those are some of the conversations or some of the things that you guys naturally look for. Yeah. Defensive side yep. has a lot of stars, but like some guys that are getting older. Like I guess when you go into the draft, is it just do you look for the holes or the expected holes on the team? Or are you just looking for right here, right now, what can we do to elevate the team? Like what's kind of the, the mindset heading in? So I learned from the late, great Ted Thompson, watching him draft as a player and as a scout. Um, and then from Brian, like take the best player. Yep. So I love that. You know what I mean? Like, because once you start drafting for holes and needs, like, Guys, you're reaching because you reach on guys, you know, happens yep. year after year. Whereas if you just take the best guy on your board, it's like, all right, he's going to make us better in yep. some capacity because he's going to play because he's better than, you know what I mean? Like it just, yep. and competition breeds greatness. So like, yep. you know, everyone says, oh, we don't need receivers. Well, there's one sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? If there's a dog, you got to go take a dog. Yeah, like it's, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's nothing to, to the other guys, it's just the, like this guy makes us better. Um, yep. You know what I mean? So it's just a matter of who's available, when they're available, and like does the fit make sense? Like prime example was Rashawn Gary. We didn't technically yep. need Rashawn at that time. We had just signed Preston and Z. Yep. And we take him 12th overall. Like that's high. Yeah. And, and like he's a backup essentially his first two years. Like, he, you know, he's a rotating starter. And – Everyone's like, well, that's too high. And next thing you know, he's the guy. He's the guy. <laughs> so, yep. and and again, to like Brian's credit, like one, he's a hell of a scout. Like when he, yeah. when he gets to just sit down and just watch tape, I learned so much from that dude. Um, that's awesome. But like he, he like just talking to him, just trying to learn things. If I'm ever in that chair, and like, nah, we go draft the best one up there because unless it's like, unless it's like, you know, I don't know. It, it would have to be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It would. It would have to be to where like the fit doesn't make sense. Where you're yeah. like, nah, we like he's good, but it just doesn't work with our philosophy or whatever the case may be. But no, yeah. like drafting for needs and all that. Nah, just take the best player, move some pieces around because if the guy's good as you think, he's going to make it work. Yep. So I love that for all the Madden GMs out there trying to rebuild their franchises and <laughs> fantasy jams. Look, take the best available take because best it time. works over time. I love that. 100%. Is, is that. Is that true for every position? I, I just think back to when we drafted Jordan Love. I have to imagine there's maybe a, an additional layer of planning that goes into trading up and drafting a quarterback, you know, the, arguably the most important position in all of sports. So maybe take us into the draft room and the conversation then because. I imagine, you know, maybe he was the best player available, but there has to be another layer to that of like, hey, we're also future planning here. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so that year was COVID, so we weren't even in the draft room. That was That's we crazy. Were, uh, we were sitting like this, actually. on Just Zoom drafting, baby. It's like a fantasy league. And, like, <laughs> you know, he, you know, he told us 
beforehand who he was taking, and everyone's kind of like, oh shit. Yeah. All right. You know, and it, and, and it caught guys off guard because we're like, oh, what about, you know, Michael Pittman and T. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, right, yeah. again, to his credit, and I told him when I saw him, like, you stood on your morals or, or of, of, like, scouting and, like, you trust what you saw. like you, And, like, he tells us all the time, trust your eye. Whatever whatever yeah. it is, say with conviction. And, like, he was adamant about Jordan. Like, he, he knew what he saw him, like. You know, and not and not everyone agreed. Clearly, yeah. fans, right. media, whoever, and he just, oh, just wait, just and yeah. it, and to me, this year was like that long gratification for him, where it's like I told you, hell yeah, I told you, yeah. yeah. He would Dude, never I, say that. I'll say it for him. He's not that kind of person, no, from what no, I can no. tell. He is. He is not that guy. I'll do it for him. He told you guys, yeah. Like and like, so it's you know, when it comes to like. Things like that, he like he knows what he's doing. So like that conversation was it wasn't like we knew how much he liked Jordan. So yeah. once he's sitting there, and we're picking. I think we're picking like twenty eight, trade up to twenty six. It was like, oh, no, we're going to get. And well, at first we thought it was a receiver. Then it was like, oh no, he's not a trade up for a receiver. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's not because because that year was so many. It was so many yeah. receivers where had we sat there, could have got one. But yeah. that, that was his guy. That's who he wanted. And to again, to his credit, like he trust he trusted what he saw and knew and like essentially had a plan for him. You know, and I love that. And it worked out. But yeah, that was a I think having a plan, dude. Like I think that goes for like most things I'd say in life. If you have a philosophy and you have a plan and you just stick to it. Over the course of time, you're gonna you're gonna make out, right? Like it's you're gonna beat the law of averages as long as you have a consistent thing you're doing. You might win some, lose some, but like over time, if it's a good formula, it's gonna work. And it sounds like uh, you guys got a good formula in the building, which leads me to my next point. Like I'm I'm just getting into this side where like, look, I'm I work with Sleeper, I do this podcast, do this show. I have I've watched more football this year than I have ever in my life. Like, and I used to watch a lot of film as a player. Right. So like, I'm responsible to watch everything of every game. And, like, I know more around the league what's going on now than yeah. I ever did as a player. Because you know how it is. You're game planning for your specific team in that right. specific week. You're so head down. And I'm like, but there's so much football out there now. And it's, it's fun to watch <laughs> on this side. And I'm starting to, like, I started watching more college over the last month because football season's ending. And I'm like, okay, I need to be aware for when I have these college conversations. And the number one thing that I'm looking at right now is, like, it seems like the way that college football is going, the way these receivers are being used, the receivers are there. It just seems like there's more chances to get the next Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson type year over year than there was in the past. Like I'm looking at some of these guys and I'm like, their ceilings are consistently really high right now out of this draft class. Yeah. We're like, they might not pan out to be a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or right. one of those young studs, but I'm like, damn, of all the four. years. Yeah, like yeah. it just seems to be like each you don't need to reach as much anymore. Like if you wanted one of those guys, you had to go top ten. Like yep. it was, it is what it is. Where I'm looking at this draft and I'm like, damn, like LSU's got some dudes, Washington's got some dudes. Like there's guys all around. And for a team like you guys, where it's like, look, if the best guy on the board's available in your first round draft pick, like you're gonna take him. But at the end of the day, too, there's a lot of good pieces to be added. And I just, I do feel like this, the skill players right now. Like we say, every the skill players are just getting better every year, yep. and they may not be quote pro ready and scheme ready, 
but the game's changing too. And these guys are finding their ways in the lineups early. So I guess long winded way to say, like, what are you seeing on a broad stroke across college football this year that you're like, wow, it's trending in this direction. Or like these are the positions and like, I don't want you to give me necessarily guys that yeah. you love. Cause I know that's like inside or whatever, but yeah. like, what is your broad stroke of what you're seeing going into this draft cycle? I mean, to your point, the receiver class is loaded yet again. And it yeah. seems like we say that every other year or every year yeah. now where I'm sitting there like, well, you know, the 2020 class was good. 21 class was really good. Yeah. The last year class was pretty good. Um, yeah. And then this year class ha- has a chance to be better than probably maybe all of them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like just it's top crazy. to bottom. Like you can get a impact receiver maybe in the, in the third round. Because yeah. guys are like going to fall. impact guys. Yeah, like like real guys in like the top of the third, bottom of the second, which is still a high pick, but yeah. it's not a first round pick. So, um, but um, but yeah, it's it's just trending in like for receivers. Got like a lot of these guys, they can win anywhere on the field. You yeah. know what I mean? Slot outside. Slot, where outside. I feel like ten years ago, you try to let me get my X. You know what I mean? Let me go get my Julio Jones. He's yeah. my X. Let me go get my F. And I'm looking at these guys like, like there's more guys built like CD Lamb and like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Um, God, I mean, there's just there's guys like that where you're like, he could play X, he could play F. Damn, he could do whatever we need him to do, and that makes offenses really dangerous. 100%. And I think those are the guys that should, in my opinion, have more value now than just like I. I think like guys like DK Metcalf, like AJ Brown, like they're good players, like they're really good at what they do. Right. But like you're not gonna go line them up in the slot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're right. they're not slot receivers, right. where I think the most dangerous weapon right now is, dude, line up Justin Jefferson anywhere on the field. Versatility. And, like, he's going to get open. Yeah, yeah, versatility. It's a, And you know what? Like, like the real trend of football, what's, what's going to happen, because it's happening in basketball, too, it's becoming more and more positionless. Mm-hmm. So, yep. when you look at a team like the 49ers, for example, like, man, they're, they're really positionless. Like, McCaffrey, you know, they did the little side shuffle motion to get five out right now. He's playing slot. He's playing the slot. Exactly. Yep. Use check. Tight end, fullback, running back, like whatever you want. Right. You know what I mean? Debo, he's a running back. He's a slot. He can line up as the X. You know what I mean? So, like, I think, I think football in general is going in that direction and it's, and it's, and it's going to go towards, you know, give my guys the ball in space. How, how it did 10, 15 years ago with the spread, but now yep. it, it's going to be more positionless. Like, learning-wise, it'll be positions, but as a defender, as a defense, it's going to be harder and harder. So, like, eventually, defense is going to catch up and say, "Yeah, we're positionless. We're going to put our best 11 out there to cover and yep. stop the run. That's the that's the biggest thing. Like, when you look at safeties this year, or just in general, if you can't cover... Yeah, it's over. It is. Whew. Because rough. if you can't cover, you can't play linebacker either because then you're playing against tight ends like more consistently. And exactly. then you're playing against running backs that can win in the past game. Exactly. Like, it's so I yeah. it's tough, dude. Oh, very. So <laughs> yeah. like, you know, just the trend of things like it's like on defense. Everyone's looking for the big freak freak inside backer. Like everyone wants to move safeties to backer, but that's hard. You yeah, know, that's a trend that they were constantly seeing. But like, if you've never played backer, it is hard because the game is so much faster. 
Like yeah. the like the and people don't understand how big these guards really are. <laughs> Dude, I used massive. to hate dropping down in the box because I'm sitting there like, please don't identify me, please don't turn protection. And then once they yeah. point point to me, I'm like, bro, you go from the other side. I'm not going. I'm not blitzing. Yep. Yep. Or I don't want to be I in the front fit because I this is three thirty. I'm a buck ninety seven. Yeah. Physics kicks in immediately. There's nothing I can do outside of going to take his knees out, and you can't do that anymore. So yep. to you know, so everyone everyone's looking for the you know the six three, six four, two hundred forty pound backer who can cover and play the run. But those guys are unicorns, like they just yeah. don't exist. Um, but yeah, it's you, a, you know that's that's a good point too. Like the unicorns and don't existing. I I've been really banging on the table for like, look, if you have a top ten pick you are almost better off getting one of those unicorn defensive players because they're a dime a dozen. Like, they're not a dime a dozen. They're hard to find. Yeah. Where, like, if you get a receiver that in any other year would be a top 10 pick, but there's so many of them, like, those do come around more often. And yep. it's really hard to find, like, like a, um, a Fred Warner, right? Like, how, right. Do you, how do you find a Fred Warner? I don't know. Like, good luck, maybe every five years or so. Like, yeah. And, and and like, I remember that draft because he was that was, guy, that was my draft class. Yeah, I know. I just remember being in the draft room and we're like, bro, this dude. Or it was it was during meetings in like February, and we turn on the tape and you see this big. <laughs> long, I'm like, bro, yeah, cool. because you know in yep. February I haven't seen the rest of the country. I've just seen my yeah. area. So yeah, we're watching. We're like two games in. I'm like, is this dude like? Really, this good, or am I crazy? Because everyone else is that bad, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and like he went to BYU, so like the right. So you, you never like, know who they're playing. I don't know, man. He stepped on the field. Yeah. I said, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> like yeah. it, so, Dude. like finally to to my to my earlier point. That's why you just draft the best player. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, you may not need him, but like you're, you're gonna be happy him, you have him. Like, like the chances of you finding, to your point, chances of of us finding Fred Warner every other year not even every year every other year it's just rare yeah like that dude like you gotta think they don't play dime because they got two stud linebackers the rest dude, of the league has to play dime you know what i mean like yeah, it's, yes that's how impactful finding a unicorn like that is like it's nothing he can't do physically as a linebacker yeah and they have a good it. formula dude because they don't have to go three down Nope. They can they can get pressure with four. They don't have to blitz. They don't have to bring in dime because they have linebackers they can cover. It's when I like when people ask me like what is your favorite defense? Like if you were doing this, how would you build a defense? Dude, I would build it like them because you need less pieces. Yes. You need you have your you have your guys that can get pressure with four. You always have an extra man in coverage. And then not to mention your linebackers never have to come out, so you have good run fits. Like most of the time. And it's less expensive. Yeah. Because you're not paying for multiple like Cover you know, guys. B plus talent. Yep. Yes. Yep. No. Yeah. You pay like they paid Fred, they paid Nick, traded for Chase, Chase Young. Yep. Um, um, they got the corners through free agency and the draft, and Ward has turned into a Pro Bowl corner. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like they like, and the safety when he comes back with Fungo, like, oh my God, he's drafted a dog, him. Dude. Really good player. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, like they have a formula that works for them. But like, yeah, it's the it's the way their defense is set up. Like they build it in a way that's like affordable and impactful yeah. to where, to where the offense can now, you can say, all right, we can be, we can spend more money here. 
You know what I mean? Like they just yeah, they have a really unique way of doing things, but it works. Yeah. Well, when you can spend, I don't know what Fred's contract is, but I'm assuming it's probably thir- somewhere 20, 30 million a year or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Like if you can pay 20 to 30 million for one player to do two jobs, both be in the run fits and Dang. be a third down pass kind of guy, yep. you sometimes will pay 10 plus million for a nickel that can do that. Right. And so it's like, it is, it's, you do have some pieces you're paying a lot of money, but the efficiency of the structure of the defense is sound. Um, so that was just, yeah, I'm not obviously a defensive guy, but I'm looking across it. And I'm like, every time we game plan for them when I was with the Packers or even uh, like the other side when I was with the Falcons and we looked at these types of teams, the hardest teams to game plan against are the ones that can get pressure with four down, play a four, three defense. Like it's annoying to prep for a three, four defense for your pass pro rules. Right. But besides that, like you can get a beat on them and they have to rotate guys. Yep. Where like, dude, four three, you know who's on the field, you know it's gonna be mono mono, and it's just like it's gonna be a long game. That's what made Seattle so good in the past. Like it yep. was it was the same formula. It was Wagner, KJ Wright, yep. never came off the field, but they had impactful DBs as well. Yep. Like that's what made them different to me yeah. than San Fran. You got talk about yep. Earl, Cam, Richard Sherman, Brian Maxwell, yeah. Brandon Browner. Like it was the yep. it was the same thing. When we're four cover people and intimidate people like hit the limits <laughs> not intimidation yeah i mean yeah. that's, that's real Stanford dude does. like yep. san fran plays a, a physical brand of football where if you don't match it they'll walk yep. all over you yeah every time and it won't stop and it won't like they will not let up so yeah yeah like i'm a i'm a four three guy like i've played in both i didn't like the three four because of run fits mainly yeah because guys are two gapping and uh, nah, nah, just one gap. You can't just pin your ears back. And yeah, just no. Go. No, you can't. Like, you can mm-hmm. if it's – but it has to be, like, designed in a certain way and, like, the right formation has to come – like, it, it's so many variables and uh, – like More it, thinking. Yeah. Less way, ball playing. Way more thinking. And it's way more complex. Oh, my God. Dude, I think people are really going to like this. We, we've, like – we've done a lot done a lot of, like, brush strokes of, like, terminology and, like, diving and – but it's really been nice to like get your perspective on obviously as a player and then as a scout too. It's, yeah. it's been pretty cool, but totally. I think we'll have yeah. to bring it back around the, the draft time. Oh, I mean, dude, we're gonna, yeah. After the Super Bowl, it'll be full on into the off season. And that's all people talk about. I, I am curious, Brandon, you talk about identifying these unicorns and obviously your job starts way before the combine, but when fans like us start thinking about draft, it usually starts <laughs> around the combine. How important is the combine and you know, what is your prep work like before then? And does the combine serve a purpose to confirm or like what role does it play in your process? Because like I said, there's so much work that goes in beforehand. It seems like the combine is becoming increasingly useless. And I think we're even seeing like coaches not even going to the combine anymore. You know, like I think it was a Sean McVay thing where he's not even deciding to go. So what, what purpose does it serve in your whole process? I mean, for me personally, I'm a, uh, I'm not a big fan of it just because it's not football. Like I've watched the tape. So like, when I'm at the combine, I'm more trying to get to know the players and the person. Like, okay. because they spend, you got to think, you spend two hours a day at practice. The rest of the time, you're with the guys in meetings, you're with the coaches, you're with the training staff. You know what I mean? Like, that 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 aspect, I need to trust you to do your job. I need to trust you to be a pro. You don't know how to be a pro? I need you to be able to learn how to be a pro. Are you going to be around the right guys and I use the combine personally as a time to get to know my guys in my area. And then I have the DBs every year 
to uh, in our little project that we do. Um, so I talk to the DBs. I try to see how they handle things, how they process failure, how they. God tells me he's gonna run four four eight. He comes out and run four five seven. Like how's he handling that? Is he you know is he pouty? Is he is he crying? Is he moaning? You know what I mean? Like I'm looking for yeah. like the like the small minute things that yeah that when when I'm asked hey how was he down there on the field? I'm like truthfully he crumbled. You know, and, and if he's crumbling yeah. and there's no football being played, and it's because yeah, he's it, crumbling over a number, right? Like, right. You and, know at, what I mean? and at the end of the day, these guys are being told how important this number is. We're like, dude, the 40 time matters, but they want to know, like, what is your top GPS speed on the season? Like, can you run a 20? You know what I mean? Like 40 time is a box checked. Yeah. But, but it's also not everything. Some guys game speeds versus their 40 speeds. Like I think the really good scouts and like people in that realm know that can this guy play ball? Right. And sometimes it moves draft positioning or like reaffirms or like, you know, some guys come in heavy for the combine. You're like, what have you been doing? Like, first time out of structure. There's just a lot of nuance to it, but again, it's not ball. Well, and 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 that's why I don't put me personally. I don't put a lot of I don't put a lot into it. Again, it's it's about the kids, about the person. So like, cause like what what happens is they go to they go to the All Star games, um, and they play football for a week. Then they go back to yep. training, and it's rarely any football so then they do the position drills guys are stumbling over themselves the legs are heavy they're breathing hard and like you have a bigger break than you would any other time because it's 30 40 guys in front of you so yeah it's like that's why like i give those guys the benefit of a doubt so then pro day come around that's when i'm like all right you should be in shape you should move and bend well i'm looking for like the movement skills like how do you bend how do you explode out of your vertical how do you follow directions when I'm putting you through the DB drills, because I love running drills, but more so because I like seeing if they can pick up to what I'm saying, what I'm doing, because I don't do combine drills, because combine drills to me are very old and yeah. ancient. They, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Like, it's not football. It's not mm, football yeah. movements. Like, you want to see a football player play football. Yeah, like, so I try and duplicate football movements, and I learned that from one of our scouts in the building, our uh, pro director, Richmond Williams. He told me my first year was like, yeah, I don't do none of the combine stuff because of, it's not football related. It's, you know, like when are you ever going to see a DB flip two times or run away from the quarterback? Never. And yeah. it, and, and if he does, he, he just got beat. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. <laughs> so, you know, like it's, it's drills like that. I'm like, yeah, that's not real. Like I'll flip you twice, but I'll bring you back down the stem, you know, things like that. But yeah, like during the combine and this whole process i'm looking for are you in shape can you follow that like just small things that that the average person wouldn't even think about because i need yeah. to know that you can listen when you're tired maybe yep. maybe i change change something in the middle of the drill i have two people go and then i change it can you can you handle yeah. that change can you follow directions and that's that's simple compared to what might that's happen. real football though right that actually happens exactly game plan goes in all week get through the first two drives hey Scratch it, throwing it out. And be like, bro, we've been working this for eight hours this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that's but that's yep. part of the process of like learning and learning who these guys are and seeing if they can adapt to change. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot of change in an NFL season. Yeah. What what is a red flag that pops up for you, whether it be physically or interpersonally, as you're spending time with these guys? Because it sounds like you spend quite a bit of time with them come combine pro day. So what are the things that pop up for you where you're like, 
off the draft board? Uh, that's not my call. First off, uh, okay, I, I, sure. I don't, I don't make that call, but yeah, I do make note of guys who just like who aren't around their teammates. Like at your pro day, for example, you're yeah. you're home. You're you got your family there, your coaches there supporting you. Even if it's a new staff, I've been places where where the new staff is very supportive. Like they make sure the guys are just on top of things, get everything they want. So like if like your teammates aren't like kind of kind of like interacting with you, that's kind of like, well, yeah. Why? Like what do they think about you what it, actually? Exactly. <clears throat> and it's yeah. like so then that's when when uh while like while some other drills are going on, I'll be watching, I'll go grab I'll go grab a sophomore junior who I know is coming up, hey, what do you think of this dude? Honestly, just between you know what I mean? And I get some real like just try to that's cool. Try to get a feel for it because what your teammates say about you carries a lot of weight because they see you every day. Like those got like those are the guys who really know you. They see you on the field, in the meeting room, at home, out Locker of the club. Room. Like they, like they know who you are. So so yeah, like it's, it's it's more so just like the like the interactions or the lack thereof when it comes to like I'm at a pro. I'm just like no one's talked to him, like no one. Yeah, like he's hanging with the scouts. Like that's not good, bro. <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah, trying to trying to hold an image that's being a uh, pretty clearly not held. Yeah, just I think be yourself. Yeah. So I know we got we got a lot of a lot of action to talk about. We. Maybe we can jump in and just talk about some of these games. We don't have to go in as deep as we had planned because I think <clears throat> we've talked about the Packers 49ers game for the most part. Like it was disappointing. I think it was a game that everyone at the last five minutes or so, last nine minutes of the game specifically after that big Aaron Jones run, that game felt in the bag. Then the missed kick happens and then like things just kind of don't go as planned. What does something like this do, like leading into the offseason for like players for coaches like how do you like what do you think is next in people's mind um honestly this is this is uncharted territory for a team this young yeah so i really want to see how they come back in yep how they come back in april just in terms of their mindset are they the same workers are they you know because like our guys work like the good consistent workers so it's like all right, you got a little taste of success and winning and people doubting you. you no one's going to doubt you next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a surprise group. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to, to see how they kind of bounce back. It's a good mentally. perspective. Just, I mean, just because like, I hope these guys take some time, get away from it, you know, clear your head. It's very important. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and, when they get back to work, like they're ready because now the target's on your back. No matter yeah. what happens with the Lions, everyone's aware of how good we are as a team. So, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's any uh, any like clear answer for the players. And in terms of the coaches, you know, coaches coaches do what they always do. They have their draft work and then their self scout stuff where. Yeah. We find ways to get better on the field um, schematically, but I'm, I'm more inclined to see. I, I really want to see how our young guys bounce back because because yeah. it's easy to kind of have success when no one kind of knows how to defend you, how to scout you. Because like yep. 
but now it's a full year how you play that second year like the second year of of everyone's career it's the hardest year like that first offseason is so important and so crucial because guys either take a leap or they and there's no gray area like you know what i mean so because if you stay the same then a young guy's going to surpass you um but yeah i'm just I'm, i'm more i'm really intrigued to see how they come back as workers as a group just like the motivation yeah i think it's important because like as nfl fans are listening it's kind of like okay now what do they do you know like it's nobody really knows what the offseason process looks like they know otas come up and whatnot but like the mental part of it is really big getting away is important as anybody in the space has known like guys should go take time away and i think the biggest question mark that i have going into next year is like look yes there's a it's a young team they're getting older have the experience they should start next season not like they did last season like it shouldn't be playing from behind or having all these learning or growing pains and if that happens then it's not growing pains it's rust which is like i think rust is even worse and then you look at it too this year has been the craziest year of quarterback injuries like like go figure the year that i stopped playing and (laughs) it's (laughs) but but there's that many guys that have not played this, this rest of the season like there's you look at the Bears, like Justin Fields missed a few weeks and the uh, backup had to play. Like there's there was a lot of games that probably would be a little bit easier than all these guys not getting hurt, right? Like so yeah. it's a fresh, clean slate next year. You don't get the benefit of the doubt being young. There are more like starting quarterback caliber guys that are gonna start again next year. Yeah. Like fresh, no injuries. So like you have to make a jump or you're gonna be right back where you just were at the beginning of last year, just in different circumstances. So like I think that's kind of how I'm looking at it, and there's no answer to it. It's just like, what do they do? How are they going to show up? Which, knowing the guys in that locker room, the guys that I still know, like, I think it's now they belong where they believe they belong, but yeah. now everybody else publicly perceives them that way too. So yeah. it's going to be exciting. Like, the Lions have a really good roster. Their quarterback, I don't believe, is a high ceiling. He's really good when things are clean. I call him a really good seven-on-seven quarterback. Clean pocket, he can deliver. If it's crumbling, he can make some bad mistakes. So, like, right. there's that guy. Then you have Minnesota. Who knows what their room's going to look like? It seems like Kirk's not going to come back. If I'm him, I'm probably not going back because, shit, the division looks a lot tougher than it did last <laughs> year, right? Like, right. And then the Bears, you have a question mark. Like, Justin Fields, super high ceiling, also has a low floor. But, like, I think he's really talented. Yeah. I think that he doesn't have, like, the quick twitch reactiveness as a thrower that you'd like to see him have. But yeah. the the upside on the other stuff is crazy, and he can change any game at any time. Yeah. And, like, do they build around him or do they not? So, like, I think the NFC North specifically will hone in on that. Like, man, just like the beginning of this year, who the hell knows, right? Like, it's going to be a tough division, like, every single year. Like, it always is. And you know that you'll see the G towards the end of the season, still in the thick of it, fighting for it, and – I think that's just kind of what you can expect. But um, I think for the fans, there's not the unknown of what can we be. Right. Right. That's right. gone. Yep. So now I think the expectations are even higher next year, which see how, how it all goes. So it's kind of how I look at it and, going and, into the season. But And to that point, that's why the mental makeup of our guys, <clears throat> of our yep. leaders is so important. Like that's why I freaking love Jordan because yep. he's like – and my wife says all the time, like, he never smiles. He throws a lot of touchdowns, just never never <laughs> celebrates he smiles. Yeah. And I remember when we came back versus the Saints and he, he scored on the zone read. And she was like, Finally, like finally some like some emotion. <laughs> but I'm like yeah. I'm like, that's what makes us good to me. 
where other guys yeah. can be emotional and up and down and he can just be right yeah. there and lead guys and like guys want to be led by him you know which helps so yeah. like i think you know i love that because it's it's hard like i remember being there and he was the backup yeah. aaron was the guy and it was always questions around like jordan's demeanor and like does he really care about this and like Oh, no shit. He cares about this. Like, you know what I mean? Like guys would question those types of things and the media would like, yeah. he doesn't show whatever. Yeah. And I see as a number two guy, how uh, he does, he's not fiery enough. He doesn't want it bad enough. He doesn't, you know what I mean? We're like, no, nah, maybe you should look for a little bit of that in a guy because I like, he's not stone cold, like Jalen hurts where it's like the whole world's against you. Right. Like, like motivational quotes, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's not that guy, but he's also not the so high, so low. And I think nope. a group, like he's just doing his job and it's whether it works, whether it doesn't, he's going to show up, he's going to do his job and he has fun doing it. Don't get me wrong. But I yeah. think guys, guys can respect that really well in the locker room and it makes guys play 100%, harder. 100%. And to me, like that's what, that's just superpower. Like the fact, no yeah. matter how the game is going, he's just like, he's, yep. he's always right there. Like he's a, he's a, he's a damn good teammate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he celebrates, his guy's success on both sides of the ball. Like, like the story came out, he, you know, he has the, he has the dinner weekly, invites the guys on, like, like that's real. Like that's who he is. So like, he cares. It's just, it looks different. And, and I think that yeah. rubs people the wrong way when it's like, well, he's not, like, no, he cares. It's just, and to me, yeah. it doesn't matter if you like it, his teammates love it. Love yep. that dude. Like they love playing for him. So, yeah, you know, that's why I'm encouraged about, next year um but again i want to see how we handle success like it yep. to me it's easy to be the underdog just in terms of um like having that chip on your shoulder but now when yep. the target's on your back how do you handle that like how do you how do you respond to that so that'd be a interesting thing to see next year i love that hmm. well I'm gonna I'm gonna have that be what wraps up the Packers portion of this. I think we I don't want to give everybody too much because we definitely got to have you back on another one when we get close to the draft and stuff. But I think that gives Packers fans something to look forward to and to start thinking about as they're turning the page and and mourning a really tough loss like we all were. Um, but I want to talk about these other games. So I know we had on slate to talk about like what happened in these other games. So like we have the Lions and the Bucks. Like that game was closer than anticipated, but I kind of think we all saw that coming. Like the Bucks weren't the better team, in my opinion. The the Lions, if the Lions lost at home against the Bucks, I would have been shocked. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like Detroit's a really, really good football team, and I yeah. hate saying that because <laughs> because I don't yeah. I don't want them to be good. But like they're well coached, they're explosive. Yeah. I think the play call on offense is really, really good. I yeah. think. I think Aaron Glenn's a really good play call on defense. Like, I think they just yeah. – they know who they are and they and they play to their strengths as much as possible. Um, and, like, yeah, I knew I knew they would win. And I because I didn't think Baker could go there and win. I thought he would yeah. turn the ball over a couple of times. You know, just yeah. things I've seen from playing him outside of this year where he decided to be a number one pick again. Um, yeah. But he yeah, played really well for most of the year. Yeah, I, like I think we was, all saw it coming, though. He was solid, but like to that point, like I've I've watched enough film of him where I'm like, he's going to give you an opportunity if you catch him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what happened. So like, and again, the Lions aren't like 
the most talented roster left. Like they aren't, but they yeah. are so well coached and they play so hard and they're yeah. fundamentally sound. Like just everything that kind of goes under the radar. Next thing you know, they could catch you sleeping. Yeah. And yeah. now they're sitting here in the playoffs in the NFC championship game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, you can't sleep on them. I think like the 49ers, same thing. Like 49ers should win this game, right? Like they, this game next week, they should win it, but the Lions will take every opportunity and capitalize on it if you give it to them. And yeah. I don't know, that's, we're going to talk a little bit about last week, diving a little bit earlier for like for next week coming up while we have you. Um, but I'm looking at, now I'm looking at the Ravens, right? Like Ravens look to me like the best team in the league. And their defense, in my opinion, super sound. They play a way that allows them to capitalize on like tip balls, overthrows. Like they are very ball aware, which obviously we talk about on defense. Um, the Texans, they ran out of like they ran out of ran juice, out right? Like they, yeah. yeah, yeah. They had a hell of a run to get there. C.J. Stroud going to be very good for a very long time, yes, in my opinion. Is. Like he's he's doing things that like, and I, I'm excited to hear your perspective on C.J. Stroud. We're going to bounce around a little bit, like so. I'm watching him from like my perspective, mm-hmm. quarterback's lens, and I'm like, this dude can make every throw, like like with such a tight frame, yeah, and just change his arm angle without needing to step into anything. It's like the his throwing form generates power like a boxer, and I'm like, from a scout's perspective, what do you see in how he throws and that like was, how he manipulates? That was the one thing I loved about him coming out. Like I knew we weren't taking him, but like, yeah, I watch, we watch every guy the same as if we are because we want to know these dudes for yeah. when we play against them maybe he's a free agent you know what i mean like so yeah. we we watch everybody with the right intent and like you watching him like oh he's the he's the best one last year like yeah like he was and, I, yeah. and, and to me what like did it for me it, it was the georgia game he was taking some shots in the pocket like his yeah. poise and to your point his arm his ability to change his arm angle and get rid of the ball with velocity and like, yeah. yeah, he's gonna be a problem. And then you look early in the year, I was started a little slow, and then he started getting the rhythm and start understanding yeah. these. I said, Oh, yeah, this dude's good, he's really yeah. good. Did that that Georgia game for me? Like, it's easy to say looking back, like, Oh, the Georgia game, but like, no, I was same place. I'm like, You could not tell me that he was not the best quarterback in the draft, no matter like, there was if you watch ball and understand ball, yeah. To, to see what his ceiling could be. And, like, no shot against Bryce Young. He's been in a shit situation all year. Like, yeah. that, that is – not many people would have success in that. But I know, like, the argument has been, well, put Bryce in Houston's shoes. Houston would have been a playoff team with Bryce. Like, the things that C.J. Stroud did to elevate them, and it all came, in my opinion, like, he can make plays outside of the pocket. But, dude, to be able to stand there and just, like, deliver. look down the barrel of that gun and deliver – it was just – I felt like I was watching Jordan and CJ do that all year long, yes. better than any quarterbacks in the league, of standing there. Like, Jordan does a great job of leaning back leaning and back throwing and, at the last second and yeah. flicking, where Stroud is different but very similar, where, like, he just – he manipulates his arm to do it instead of his body. Right. But it's two ways to do the same thing. Like, instead of stepping into a throw like most guys need to do, big hitch to deliver, like, a, a dagger downfield. Yep. These dudes are just flicking the ball and it's jumping out of their hands. And I'm like, there's like, that is a, that is a talent that I'm like, that needs to be quantified in a box check. Cause <laughs> you look at some guys and like, that just isn't normal. Like not a lot of guys can do that. No. Um, so well, I'm assuming like, yeah. To that point, that's why you can't make it a box check. 
Like, yeah. that's not like, like yeah, the, you're right. Like the average quarterback can't can't yeah. do it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like you like you want all you got not happening. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like that's just that part of the game where it's like you don't practice that. That's not that's not yeah. coaching. That there's no way to practice that. No, that's just instincts and trusting who you are as a quarterback. Um, but yeah, like I think the 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 thing I was impressed most with CJ this year was because I didn't see it much on tape um, when he was coming out is the fact that he can make plays outside of the pocket. Like he was a much better athlete than I suspected. Cause I'm yeah. sitting there like, Oh, this dude, like he actually has some legs on him. You know, like he can, he can extend the play and, and make big time throws once he's on the move. And you saw it a little bit, but like, yeah. because he wasn't, it wasn't needed in college. Pressure, exactly. Like yeah. they were went on the outside and they had, yeah, they had dogs. Pretty good old line. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so he was, yeah. Clean pockets most of the time, but that's why I said the Georgia game when when he was feeling constant pressure and he's still mm -hmm. delivering some dots. I'm sitting there like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, this is that's cool. Sign still delivered. This dude's gonna be Sweet. pretty good. How, well, how do you build that. around? I, I was gonna ask how you build around a guy like CJ Stroud, and the same conversation probably stands for you know a Jordan Love. But when you have a young QB, obviously you're so happy that you have who seems like the guy, yeah. what's the next step in the off season for a group like yours? Like, what do you, is there a position group you're focusing on? Is it a type of person you're focusing on? Is it all of it? I'm assuming free agency too. I want to know about like, That's like how question. does free agency come into this? Cause you see guys like T Higgins available. Yeah. You see Mike Evans, like, like, do you need them? No. Like, and I look at those two, I'm like, I would rather have a T Higgins type than a Mike Evans and Packer specific like situation. Right. Just because you don't need an X. You need like a gadget. Yeah. Um, across the field guys. So I'm yeah. It's two a, part so question. First part is like how do you build like first you have to make sure they are protected to me. That's the yeah. thing that Carolina has to me, like you go all in on getting them getting that dude tackles and guards. You know what I mean? And really guards because he's shorter. So you yeah. need sturdy guys who can protect the depth of the pocket whereas tackles such a good point man they protect the width but those guards like he needs i mean big sturdy bodies maybe they can't move that well in the run game well you change the run game because they can protect him um but yeah like first you gotta That's make so sure good. that they're uh those guys are protected up front like because if they're on their back they can't be good like yeah. i don't care who they are that like and when a guy gets hit enough, okay, for people watching, you get punched in the face enough, you're going to start dipping, dodging out, like, and that's essentially what quarterback is when it's constant pressure. It's like, I'm tired of getting hit. This ball is coming out, and I don't care where it goes because I'm tired of getting my body beat. That's the natural human, human, human response to getting hit. So I yeah. think, you know, I think for the Texans, like, they're going to do a good job, but and and they're going to get Kenyon Green back who they drafted in the first round from Texas A&M a couple years ago. So they'll be better up front. Um, but yeah, I think it starts there, and then you get better on defense so that you can get that guy to ball more. Um, yeah, get him get him more touches, like because guys like you get C.J. Stroud two extra possessions. That's at least ten points. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's maybe a couple more wins. You know, so it's to me it starts up front on both sides where you protect the quarterback and you have to affect the other quarterback so that you can get the ball. I love that. I think that's, that's going to be a really good sticking point for fans listening because most of the first reaction is like, ah, oh, get him a receiver. 
get him get him a Devontae Adams get him a like no what like really changes the game up front and extra possessions and like if you can if you can win up front I think that sturdy pocket point is so good because you that goes into like how do you have to build a team and if you have a franchise quarterback, you got to protect them one, right? Like that's look at the Jets this year. Their O line was was tough, and every quarterback that came in after Aaron had a really tough time, and it didn't matter who they were. Yep. And we can't even say that Aaron would have had an amazing year because of what it looked like up front, right? Like we can assume because of who he is, but everybody needs an offensive line that can play and keep you upright. And so, building a team, I just think it's so cool to hear from your perspective because these are the conversations that you have every single day in your job for the last decade damn near and yeah i feel old yeah yeah hey you're getting old man we both are it's crazy you're a little bit older than me though which i appreciate but um i just i really love the like being on your side is a true chess game like it's a game of chess both with yourself and with other teams that you're trying to get ahead of and again as a quarterback what makes me feel the happiest man knowing i'm not going to get my shit beat out of me and two knowing i have a good defense like I think the most dangerous quarterback is one with a good defense that you can rely on because yeah. then it's not all on you. Yep. Like nobody wants to be like Philip Rivers his whole career and having to just sling it out every single game and know you're probably going to lose if they get the ball last. Right. Like that's that's not fun for anybody. And I think you look at teams like the Bills, that's what happened with the Bills last night. Like the Bills offense was doing well, they were rolling, but like they still couldn't get a stop. Which was which was surprising to me because Yeah. Buffalo traditionally they play smart, sound football and like just busted, man. They just I mean, they just could not make a play when they needed to on defense. And it was yeah, and it was frustrating to watch because like I know those guys there in their front office yeah. well. One of my best friends in the business, you know, works there. Um but yeah, was, I'm sitting there like, damn it, Josh just needs one stop. Just yep. one. Just one. Just yeah. just a turnover. Some, something needs to happen, and it, and it never yeah. happened. I just didn't see it. Like, I had I had picked the Bills. Like, that's who I thought was going to win the game. And I knew it was going to be a tough game. But, like, to your point of, like, the soundness of this game, Travis Kelsey's two touchdowns that he had, one was on a busted coverage. It was a corner out versus cover three, I believe. Yep. And, like, there was nobody to be found. And then the he got a screen thrown to him where – the person that set the edge gave up the edge, gave up the and edge, yeah. he was and he was able to bounce outside. And I'm like, that's just like the technical part of football that gets lost when you have guys injured and you guys have to step up and like no edge they had the right play call for both plays on defense yeah. and they just didn't execute. And it's, so yeah, one of my one of my coaches, Marcus Robertson, he works with the Saints now. I never forget this for as long as I live because he always preached it: make the plays mm-hmm. you're supposed to make. Yep. Sometimes that's just doing your job. That's just setting the edge, make sure the ball gets turned back inside. And like yep. last night, Buffalo just didn't make enough of those plays. And like yeah. not like plays on the ball. Just stay in your gap. Set the yeah. edge. Stay deep as the deepest. Like play with good odds. Like the little things that that uh you talk about training camp early in the year that kind of get lost in the shuffle at times, where yeah. it comes back to bite you eventually. If if you're not honing in on them, so yeah, that was that was a uh, very tough to watch. Yeah, that that was my biggest takeaway of that game, and I think again now we've we've covered kind of what went on. We we have next week to look forward to before we wrap this episode up. Like we have some really good football coming up. I think. Look, you got Chiefs Ravens. 
I want to hear your first thought on this. I personally think the Ravens are going to win this game. I think the Chiefs defense gives them a chance because they're pretty sound, but they look susceptible to the run game, especially when the quarterback's involved in the run game. Yeah, You're playing against Baltimore. That's got to be the X factor there. Like, I want to hear kind of what you're looking at. And I think maybe not so much a prediction. I bet you have a prediction, but more so like, what are you looking for to be like the keys to the game? Well, first one is they have to get hits on Lamar. Yeah. Like you have to hit him. Again, like it just goes back to human nature where if if you're hitting him and like, I'm talking about, you don't let him slide. You don't let him get out of bounds and you make him get up off the ground enough. Those quarterback runs are starting to look a little different. And like, he's fast, he's tough, he's explosive, but Chris Jones hits you enough. (laughs) Chris Jones is a big dude. That's a big dude right there. You know what I mean? So like, to me, like, like, it can go either way. I know Baltimore is favorite, but like that dude, fifteen is still there. Like, yeah, he's like he's he hasn't been playing he's the special. best this year, but he's still there. And this year doesn't matter. You saw last no. night everything no. that, and that's what we say about the Chiefs. It's, like it's the playoffs, the playoffs, <laughs> the playoff Chiefs show up, and Kelsey hasn't done shit in months. What happens this past? Got to have it. Two touchdowns. Big game. Girlfriend in the stands. Like it's. now they go to Baltimore and like dude I just I this game isn't I think the Ravens should win and like this game's either going to be a really close Chiefs win or or it's going to be a Ravens blowout and that's just I see it the same way because when the Ravens can control the clock and if the Ravens get up by 10 points at any point in this game that shit's over like they can churn the clock but then you look at Mahomes too, and Mahomes is there. Like I, it's I'm just I'm excited to watch it. I think we're going to be really fortunate. Like I know you're still in the game. I'm on the more of the fan side with the media side now. Like we just get to watch get really good football. good football. Oh, 100%. like like 100%. such good football. So I'm excited, Tyler. What do you think, man? I, I producer Roddy put these stats in here, and I think it's worth reading about Mahomes in the playoffs because we talk about how great he's been, and he's now played 16 postseason games, so the equivalent of one full season, and he's 13 and three for 4,500 yards, a 67 percent completion percentage, 38 TDs to seven interceptions, and then he has five more TDs rushing on the ground. Dude, so in those he has an 16 MVP postseason season. games. In the literally. he is an MVP season yeah, when it matters the in most. The That's crazy, which yeah. is insane. And I, I think it's interesting too. Like Brandon, I'm curious: do teams change their philosophy over time? And I ask that because it seems like the Chiefs have been winning more with defense this year. Obviously, Mahomes is still great, and you're never counted out when that yeah. happens. But it seems like they've almost shifted more. And I don't know if that's just a matter of like they have more guys on that side of the ball, but it seems like there's been a bit of a shift. And I know we saw that with the Patriots where like some years they were explosive on offense mm-hmm. and then some years they won it with their defense. So like what's the conversation like when you're you know, looking for guys? I just think so like for them, part of that is because they're like running out of money. So mm-hmm. and then they've hit on draft picks like Snead is one of my yeah. favorite guys to watch. Like the, I love watching that dude play. Um and it's McDuffie and uh, I forgot the safety's name. I want to say Cook and but like like they're uh, like those guys are technically cheap, right? But yeah. they hit on those draft picks and then they paid their stars. But their stars are top earners, like highest paid D tackle, tight end, quarterback. You know what I mean? Like they're like top five. Yeah. So right when you're running out of money, you have to hit on hit on guys and. And, um, you know, like to me, like they just 
Like they've done a good job of, of understanding how they had to evolve because you have the quarterback. All right. We lose Tyreek. We're not as good at receiver. We drafted Rasheed Rice. He's coming along. Going to be a good player. But our defense is going to be what we hang our hats on. So, you know, it sure. just it just changes year to year. Really in the playoffs too, because playoffs is a whole new season. Whole yeah. whole new season. Everything you've done up to that point doesn't even matter anymore. Um, so that's why like I want to count the Chiefs out, but I can't because they've been here before. They've won yeah. AFC championships on the road. Like, like they've been in these games. They've been underdogs in the AFC championship before. You know what I mean? Like, and and when you have a quarterback like that, it's like and anything's and, possible. Anything's <clears throat> possible. And that defense with Spagnola, like, like they might throw something at Lamar he's never seen because he's an aggressive play caller. I remember Jordan's first start, he blitzed like 67, Dude. 70% of the snaps. I'm sitting there like, my yeah. God, like who blitzes on first and 10? Who runs zero on yeah. P and 10? You know, so so like it'll be interesting to watch. But yeah, like you, like they haven't changed philosophies just in terms of who they are. They've just kind of molded to what the roster is, which, yeah. sure. which is why they're still in the picture. Yeah, their de- their defense is like, I think we'll know after the first quarter or two, like what the game plan is going to look like defensively, how they're going to plan to stop Lamar. And I think the Ravens, I don't think the Ravens just win this game by getting their four or five yards of carry. Like they're going to have no. to find explosive plays. And that defense is hard to find explosive plays against right now. Yep. Like they, the plays that Josh made last night, that were the big plays were freaking crazy. Right. Like he had to, like the chances of those being completed, like the little stutter and throw the yeah. like dart at the front of the end zone. Like not many guys are going to make those plays. And like, I think the X factor in this game is like, what is the Raven Ravens receiving core going to do? Because yeah. Oh, yeah. this is not just going to be a run for 200 yards, really easily control the clock. Like you can't do that against Mahomes because he can score quick in my yeah. opinion. So I'm excited to see what both game plans are. And I think by halftime, we'll know what it looks like. We'll know how it all plays out, but yeah, I I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited for that game. And then we have the other side of it, the 49ers, the lions, like, I think we know what needs to happen on both sides. I'd imagine the formula is pretty similar. If you can affect the quarterback, you can win the game on both sides. Brock for as bad of a game as it seemed, he found a way at the end, but like he did give some gimme interceptions that were missed. Yep. And those were game changing interceptions that the lions have, capitalized on every right. single week like that's their defense isn't amazing but they don't miss their opportunities and i think that's the difference between their defense and what happened with the packers game so like same on the flip side if jared golf gets pressured and he fumbles and he, he crumbles in the pocket yeah. he's gonna throw it to you yeah. and i'm looking at this game like damn it's the the 49ers should win but gibbs is a walking home run you have a monrod who's like a gritty third down receiver who also can be a walking home run like Debo looks like his shoulders messed up and he's probably not going to play at least from what we know about that situation. And now you're on CMC versus like a really annoying, like gritty lions defense that just doesn't go away. They're like a gnat. Like I, I don't think this game's as cut and dry either. And I want to hear before we kind of wrap this up, like your thoughts there too. I think the X factor in that game will be CMC out the backfield as a pass catcher. Yeah. Because if they can get the Lions and big people on defense and get him out in space yeah. where 
he becomes a problem. 21 personnel, like 22, but then they're in base or yep. heavy. Because and then you've got Anzalone covering him. Right. That's a problem. Because if you play base to it, then they throw it. But if you go nickel, then they line yep. up and run it. You know what I mean? Like So, yep. like, I think how they – how Kyle, you know, kind of decides how he's going to disperse that dude, especially yep. if Debo doesn't play. Yeah. It'll be – CMC is going to have to be – Devo like and world. himself. Yes, 100%. Yep. 100%. Because yeah. I know, to your point, Brock's going to give him up. He's going to give him an opportunity. Like, yeah. it's, 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 it's written. Like, even if everything's perfect, like we saw it last week, he will give Get a little pressure in his lap. It's to, to your it. point with, with shorter guys, like how yep. sturdy can the center and guards be to keep that pocket, like, distance? Right. So if you can collapse that pocket – Make that ball sell. Make him drop that elbow. Ball sells. Yeah, he's, he's going to give him a chance. But ultimately, I think it comes down to how how they how they figure out how to stop Christian McCaffrey, like yep. how to contain him. I love that. Well, dude, I this has been probably the coolest episode we've had because just the insight that you that. bring, like officially a fan, a friend of the show, fans watching. I know are going to love this. I think. The one way that I wanted to end this, we've talked about it before. I want your and Goot's scouting report on me from when I was coming out. <laughs> what were your guys' thoughts? What were the wild cards, personality, all of it? Did you guys know I'd be in media? Did you know that I'd be no. speaking my mind every single week and shit-talking people? Well, like, we we, I need to know. We knew that after – you were in the building like yeah this dude's different but in like a good way yeah you weren't an asshole, i appreciate so, that so yeah. that always helps but no bro like like goody loved you like thought you had a big arm can make all the throws you were a better athlete than than uh than what people gave you credit for um, let's go even though you only ran four nine yeah um you were really smart I remember seeing you at the senior bowl, like you were like you were a good teammate. Like we thought if we can get you in the building, you'd be good behind uh Aaron, you know, learn like learning wasn't an issue. Big Mike likes you and I love Big Mike. He don't like anybody. <laughs> Let's go. I'm good on big I'm good with Big Mike, so I made it That's in my life. God. But no, I mean like no, nah, it was just a matter of just time. Um, but you had a quick yeah. release. Good mechanics, you could spin it, you could throw it downfield. It was just a matter of uh, it was your decision making at time because you had a lot of faith in your arm. Like, <laughs> hey, you, hey, that was less par for the Packers you, course, man. Had, Kurt being overconfident <laughs> in listen, the scouting report. Who would have thought? Listen, <laughs> I remember the conversation because like Goody loves you. Mike was like, but he's like, he might throw it to him. He was like, yeah, but like that's confidence. So I'm like, what? I love that. You said no, but that was, you were his guy, man. You were, you were definitely his guy, but yeah, like it was, it was a matter of just, you was like, well, why did he make this throw? Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I probably couldn't tell you cause I thought I could fit it in. <laughs> and, and, the, and the, and the crazy part is we could see you work through progressions. So processing wasn't an issue. Yeah. It was yeah. all confidence. This dude, this dude, it was, I'm talking about it's, it's the smallest of windows. And he's trying to throw a dig <laughs> in between two backers and underneath the safety. And he's going he's to let it rip. I mean, yep. let it fly. So, but no, 
Yeah, I, I love that. Is, I love is, that. Is, is, there a, is there an aspect of drafting a quarterback that you know is going to be a backup that like there's a, you know, is there like a vibe check that you have to do? Obviously, we know Kurt and, you know, he's an easygoing guy, but is there a type of guy that's better for the backup role than a different kind of guy? I think Kurt can answer that better than me, honestly. Like, yeah. like just, just knowing what the backup has to do week to week for the starter yeah. and for the defense, like you, like, you, yeah. yeah, like you got to pass yeah, the I, check. You have to. And I think like, that's the one thing, like the, the guys on defense all respected me, especially in the Packers building, because I was not going to let them sleep like, and just like walk through practice. Like if they were not on their shit, I was going to let them know. I was going to let them know and walk through. I was like, literally there was no, <laughs> There was no playing. Like, I was going to no look in practice. I was going to no look and walk through. Like, I got you. You know I got you. Like, and I, I took that to heart where if the defense played well that week, I felt like I did my job yeah, yeah. in I practice. Like, I truly was, like, pissed off when the defense was letting up shit that I knew I prepared them for. Right. And, like, and it might not even have been my responsibility to prepare them. Like, it was the coaches. But, like, I took so much ownership in my role. And I think sometimes to a fault because I'm such a – I take every like no matter if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And sometimes like they want guys to chill a little bit, but that's just not who I was, and I was never going to be that guy. So, um, and that was same thing in like the quarterback room with Aaron. Like he didn't want a guy that was going to kiss ass. Nope. He didn't want a guy that was going to like yes man. And, like he wanted a guy that if Aaron didn't feel like speaking up that week, Kurt like fucking say something because I'm not doing it this week. Yeah. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that might be why I'm not there anymore. Just like <laughs> clashing and whatnot. But like it's. I am so happy with how I went about my business because I knew that like I was going to do it in what I thought was the right way. And the guys around me and my teammates were going to respect it regardless of how long my career was going to be. Like I was undrafted, went five years. It was a long time. Felt like I, like I felt like if I had the chance to go in a game, I could have been the guy in the right situation and I can be happy like hanging it up and doing this stuff, knowing that like I did what I felt like I needed to Yeah. just nobody ever got hurt in front of me. Like I, to be in for five years and a, the starter only miss one game ever is pretty wild. Yeah. So it yeah. just, it is what it is. That's good. <clears throat> I mean, to your, I have to tell this story. So I was on the practice squad my first year in Green Bay. And to your point, like when you going against the other side, like you're preparing them for that week. And like, I took pride in that. So it's one practice, it's like a Wednesday practice. And we pick off or Wednesday or Thursday, and we pick off Aaron like three times. He only yeah. had maybe two or three picks on the year. This was eleven, so this is his first MVP season. Mm-hmm. So like McCarthy, anytime the <laughs> offense has a bad practice, the whole team sucked. Let's put that out there. Offensive coaches, yep. whole whole team was bad. But like, <laughs> but like yep. we picked them off like three or four times, and like we're like, I mean, we're celebrating, we're doing the celebration, all this stuff. Dude, there's nothing better on practice squad than like because the card the cards are set up for you to fail. Fail every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about hey, yeah, jump That's this funny. bitch. No, he's running. He's running a corner route behind me. I mean, cover three, bro. No, 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 not doing it. But like, yeah, we picked him off, and like he was pissed. I'm talking about pissed because like we were like over celebrating, and sure enough, <laughs> the next practice. Oh no, my right hand to God. The only time the ball touched the ground was during a snap. He lit us up. And the last pass he threw, we were in like cover two in the red zone. He pointed at me and threw a no-look pass and did the belt before the ball was completed. 
Like, <laughs> it was, I'm sitting there like, yes. okay, he's ready. We go out and obliterate Chicago. Like, we beat them like they stole something. And, like, this is when, like, they were, like, rolling. Like, they had a really good defense. That Tampa 2 with Levy Smith. Like, they were they were a good squad. And Aaron went out there like it was nothing. And just, I'm sitting there like, oh, I did my job. But he, I mean, when, when he threw a no-look pass on me and celebrated before the ball hit, hit uh, it was Greg Jennings. Before it hit his hands, I was like, yeah, okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> you did your job that week, man. You earned the check. Oh, <laughs> yep. You earned the check. I love that. Well, dude, we'll we'll have to chop it up again. I love the stories. I love the perspective. I'm like so excited for this shit to get edited and chopped up and pushed out because I think <laughs> so people good. are really gonna love it. And you know, a lot of guys get like other players and stuff on, and they're sharing very similar perspectives. Where like you were a player, so you have that. Yeah. You're now a scout. Like fast track to like just keep moving in your career like i know you have huge aspirations to be a gm one day and all that good stuff and it's like it's cool that like in my opinion the the ceiling of being the best you can be is when you've been in all the different shoes and have been able to apply it we're like not every gm was a player and you know what i mean not every coach was a player like i think the best of the best the best have all the perspectives and you're just stashing the perspectives man and putting them to the toolbox so Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate everybody that's tuned in and watching. Thank y'all for having me. Dude, yeah, you're welcome anytime. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get this out for everybody. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.